The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we will dive into the offseason. We'll cover some Austin FC news, and we're going to chat with friend of the show, Jessica Luther. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And on Thursday night, I will be at a middle school band concert watching my very favorite giant tuba player play. So I will not be at Hop Squad, but you will be at Hop Squad. And uh, like, tell the people what you're going to do. Yeah, so it's the, the striker is putting this on. And it's kind of an a end-of-season celebration of sorts. We're going to do a little panel discussion, Q&A kind of thing. And it's also Phil West's birthday. And so it should be a fun time. Uh, just kind of sit down with some folks, talk about uh, the season that was, the season that will be. But I think it's going to be Phil, uh, myself, Sonny Guadarrama, uh, Hernan from, um, from Top Flight, and then I think a few other folks are going to be around as well. So it should be a good time. So anybody who's free on Thursday evening, come hang out. Yeah. Uh, what was it? The and other special guests question mark. Do you know what the special guests are? You're just not sharing? Or <laughs> no, my, my mom know? has texted me like three times. Like, who's the special guest? And I was like, <laughs> I know what's on that poster. That is all <laughs> that has been told to me. I, like, I might be the special guest. I don't know. <laughs> and are your parents coming down for it? No, they're not. I think they probably would if they were able to, but. But they can't, um, they can't make a random Thursday. No, the, these are so these are the parents who, when I was playing in rock and roll bands in college, they would drive an hour from Lockney, Texas, like on a Wednesday night to come watch me play at a smoky bar in Lubbock. <laughs> so they're they're very supportive of all of my endeavors. So I'm sure if they if they could be there, they would be. <laughs> I mean, they have customized Moon Tower 22 jerseys, so they were definitely there's not there's nothing like the love of your mom and dad. I think for sure. <laughs> So, Landon, we also have, there are three heads in these Zoom box. So, let's talk about, there's you and your, your guitar, which belongs to your grandfather. And there's me with a random paint can and a soccer ball in the background. And then there's uh, our friend Jessica Luther, who's also here. Jessica, how you doing? I'm great. I got to be here for the beginning of Moon Tower to hear Landon do that intro. That was lovely. Thanks. <laughs> and now we're just going to stare awkward. This is great. This is audio is great for like us like staring and smiling at each other and trying to figure out who's going to like take the next line. So welcome. What's going on? I love your little uh, show cave and your bookshelf and all the things behind it. And we were super happy to have you back on to talk about just the season and Austin FC and like goodness and light and sunshine. So maybe let's talk about how you found Austin FC, Jessica Luther. Like what what? What made this club and sport appeal to you? That's a good question. How did I find it? I don't, I mean, you know, okay. That's actually a good question because I was talking to my friend, Dan Solomon, who I report with all the time. And we were texting about Austin FC going into during the playoffs. He's not a big fan or anything like that, but I was, I don't know what I was explaining to him. Something was happening. Uh, and I told him that I thought I had a koozie from eight years ago when they were trying to get Austin an uh, MLS team. And I had a friend who was like involved in that process. And I had gone to some thing at Pine House Pizza on Burnett and I left with this koozie. And and then I did the thing that I do because I'm an investigative reporter and I just like have this terrible uh, um, compulsion, I guess. And so <laughs> I went onto Facebook and I like scrolled back through the Facebook page for this group. And it, the koozie was eight years old. Like I had totally called it. So I've like known about the effort to bring the team for a really long time. I still have this koozie that we use in the house. And um, I don't know, I was just so excited. I'm a big sports fan and was one of those people who was just thrilled to have a professional team uh, in, the, in the city. And then the stadium is really close to my house. Um, my son actually went to the daycare that's like literally right next to it. And when they announced where it was going to be, I couldn't in my mind imagine that they were going to fit a soccer stadium <laughs> in there. But lo and behold, they did. Uh, so it's like in our neighborhood. I just love going to sports things. I was excited to be a fan of, of a local team. So I was, you know, I follow Chris Bills forever on Twitter. I don't know how long, but like I remember him writing about it and 
And then I managed, though, I'm sure this will come up, to miss completely when season tickets went on sale. <laughs> so, like, I am not a season ticket holder because I literally can't get them. So, um, so I just go randomly whenever the weather and my wallet um, are favorable for me. Well, I have two extra season tickets. So anytime you want to kick my parents out of their seats, you'll have to Oh, oh no, that sounds terrible. Wow. <laughs> they, they, Not after you just explained how sweet your parents are. They came to like 16 <laughs> games this year. They can miss one or two. They'll be okay. 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 <laughs> well, does that mean I have to stand in the supporter section? No, I'm on the east side. Oh, okay, good. Okay. No, that just seems exhausting to me. Like kudos to everyone who does it. But that looks like I'm like old. <laughs> Yeah, Landon has very tactical, like, midfield second deck seat so he can watch what's going on during the game. And then I just, like, am in the corner for the vibes and the beer and have to go back and watch. And It's like I'm seeing the game again for the first time every time I watch it the second time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm endlessly impressed by the supporter section. I just think that I would be horrible in it. So Austin had a, a much better season this year than they did last year. Um, yeah, that's why I don't have season tickets because <laughs> <laughs> no one will give them up now. I was uh, over, crossing my fingers that they wouldn't be as good and I could selfishly get season tickets <laughs> out of it. Over the last couple of years, who have been the players that you've like that have endeared themselves to you? Who are your favorites to watch or the fav- your favorites off the field or, or both? Mm, I mean, <laughs> Sebastian. Like, I mean, it's really nice to... I always, it was just a real, you've said this so much on the podcast, but like it was a real treat that we had this MVP caliber player just playing out of his mind most of the season. Uh, and then we got to witness that and cheer for him like that. Who knows what's going to happen moving forward. Uh, but I will forever be grateful to even get to experience a little piece of that. But, um, you know, last year I really thought that Kolmanich would be better this year. Like I really felt like he wasn't even close to his ceiling. And so I was rooting for him at the beginning of the season. And then obviously he just didn't even get much playing time because John Gallagher was so exciting. It was so exciting to watch him move into that position so well. Um, little speed demon. Like that was great. I, my husband is 50% Norwegian because his mother is fully Norwegian. Um, so Ruben is a, is a big family favorite. He's also just good. And how many times has he saved our ass? Um, yeah, R- Ruben delivers on and off the field, definitely. Oh, my God. He's the funniest. He is so <laughs> funny. He, like every quote he's ever given. I listened to his interview with, I think I texted you guys this. I uh, was on the airplane Amira and I, my friend Amira that I did burn it all down podcast with, we were flying back. We had done a live show at Notre Dame and I was listening and I was like laughing out loud on the airplane and I felt kind of crazy. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) uh, and I had to keep pausing it and explaining to Amira why I was laughing so hard. Uh, yeah, he's just, he's delightful every single time he opens his mouth. Um, but also just bless his heart because that back line, uh, is so much better (laughs) with him on it. Um, yeah, it's like, who would I, if I was, I don't have like anyone's name on a Jersey or something. Um, but I, I feel like in this family, we'd probably get Gabrielson just because shout out to the Norwegians. Um, yeah, I think that's my answer. What what about like game day stuff? Is there like a ritual or, or, um, like a facet of the stadium or a part of the whole, the whole experience that has, has been one of your favorites. Hmm. Well, I don't go to a ton of matches like this year. I ended up going, I went to like a lot at the beginning because the weather was good. <laughs> and then I become like, I don't like any of the extremes in the weather. So, but even though we did go to the first match where I was very, very cold, that is my memory that in the five goals, um, and not believing what I was saying, but, um, I just really love Lamerga. Like, I just feel like, I don't know how many people spend a lot of time at other sporting events. It's such a special thing, like being in the stadium and like that level of fan 
it fandom like participation, I guess. It's just like I, I went with my friend to one of the matches. It wasn't an MLS. It was some what is that? A friendly. I can't remember who came. And she had never been and she was about to move out of town. So we went together so she could experience it. And it's just like I feel like proud to to like show her the stadium and like what Lamurga is like, even at a friendly where like, it doesn't even matter. Um, so I really, really just, that part is so great. Um, yeah, I went to the, uh, the soccer assist, mm-hmm. um, the, their fundraiser the other night and Adrian Healy was there and was talking to Adrian for a bit. And he was just talking about how much easier it makes his job to have that soundtrack in the stadium. Uh, just cause like, I think if there's some stadiums in the country and in the world where I, I would imagine these, these TV commentators feel like they need to fill in some space. And if Adrian's ever quiet, it's yeah, fine it's there because yeah. they're just like, okay, there's this great like atmosphere to listen to and take in. And he's probably not. Yeah. And he's probably not having to manufacture emotion yeah. in the same way. Cause it's like being provided. I will say, we are watching the Welcome to Wrexham right now. And I do like that they have their individualized songs for their players. So I would like to challenge us to have like a super Sebastian Jerusi song or something. Um, <laughs> Cause that's pretty great. But yeah, I just love that part of it. Um, yeah. I don't know if I have a better answer than that. I was definitely like, I got real superstitious during the playoffs I didn't know that I had that quite in me. Um, Cause again, my friend Amira is like really superstitious. Like she was really convinced <laughs> that she like can control the outcomes of games based on her behavior. And so I often have to be the person telling her that no, um, if she leaves the room for a minute, they won't lose cause of her kind of thing. But man, by the playoffs, I was like wearing the same outfit every time. Um, like same pants, same Jersey. Uh, <laughs> because I didn't want to be the reason they lost. Well, I found myself doing that just more for like my sake. (laughs) Just like this worked for me last week and I was happy and comfortable. (laughs) So, uh, But I do. Yeah, I'm like one of the least superstitious people in the world, but had to remind myself several times, like your socks are not going to change the outcome of this game. It's fine. But will they? I know you don't know. You don't know. Like, I mean, that's a risk that you take. As I say, you don't want to be the reason they lose. I I mean, like, you won't be the reason they win, but you don't want to be. Speaking of my parents, they did not see an Austin FC loss all year, and like I said, they were at fifteen or sixteen games. Wow! Wow! Zero losses. We should have got. We should have sent them to LA. That's what. That's what I I know. We could have crowdfunded that <laughs> all right so jessica you mentioned sebastian Drisi. you mentioned john gallagher there's been some news with both of these guys over the last few weeks yes. so let's jump in and talk about that a little bit so there's been some rumors that leeds united as well as some other teams in england and in other countries are interested in sebastian Drisi. <laughs> so um one question that some people have been asking me is is this for real? Like, is, is, are these rumors true? And what I've told him is like, I mean, it's almost certainly true that there's interest, right? Like whether mm-hmm. or not like this is actually happening or there's talks going on, we don't know yet. There has, there, there has been little past these rumors, right? A lot of times, if there is a lot more smoke, you start seeing, uh, the, the Tom Bogerts and the Fabrizio Romanos of the world start tweeting about it. We haven't seen that yet. It has it still just been rumors. But what I have told people is like, it is absolutely true that these teams are interested in this guy because why wouldn't they be, right? And so there's been a lot of questions raised during the last week or so since this started. And one of them is, can he even play in England? So Yeah, I saw uh, that. It ha- yeah, explain that to me, Landon. Like, what is the, what's the holdup with the, is it like a visa thing? Yeah, it is. It's requirements by the British government to get a um, it's like an athlete visa to be able to get a work permit in the UK. And there's very strict criteria and it's called GBE. I honestly don't know what that stands for, but they have a a structure set up. This many 
or like this percentage of minutes in this tier of league gets you this many points. This many appearances with your national team gets you this many points. Appearances in Champions League gets you this many points. And you need to get to 15 points to get automatic approval. Uh, by amateur accounting, it looks like Drewsi currently has six out of the required 15 points. That's great and news. So, Sorry for Sebastian. Well, That's great news for me. Oh, hold God. on a second. But... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, keep going. Um, so we, we saw some suggestions online that maybe, um, I mean, there's a lot of Argentinians have have Italian passports. It's it's quite easy for if you have any Italian heritage to get an Italian passport. But post Brexit, even if Drusi does have an Italian passport, this does not help him. Uh, he would still have to meet those those GBE criteria. Wow. So that okay. one that one does not help him. Uh, but I was chatting online with uh, a guy named Logan O'Coin today, and he was looking at like transfers into the Premier League, and he went through and found some folks who are very clearly do not meet these these criteria, including uh, Gaga Slonina from uh, Chicago Fire. He went to Chelsea, did not meet any of the criteria, and got approved. The, s- several other people who did not meet the criteria and got approved. So there is an appeal process that you can go through. Yeah. And it looks like with some of these guys, unless there's something that, that we're not seeing, that the appeals are more common these days and people are getting through without meeting the criteria. So it seems like if if they wanted him to go and he wanted to go and the money was right, that it could happen, that he could go to Leeds. That aside, he could go to Germany, no problem. He could go to other countries, no problem. The the work visa requirements are much less stringent there for athletes. Um, so I think the more important questions in this in this uh, scenario are: A, does he want to go? Because if he really wants to go and he's really pushing for it, I think even though he has a contract with Austin FC, they do not have to let him go if they don't want him to. Um, a player putting pressure on a team like that can really affect a lot, right? Like yeah. if, if, if he's, if he really wants to go and they're not letting him, maybe he's not a player you want on your team next year based on performance or attitude or whatever. So that kind of stuff matters. But I think in like hand in hand with that is, is the offer high enough? Because mm-hmm. even if Drew saying, yeah, I really want to go and Leeds is offering $6 million for him. They're like, no, we're not letting you go for that much money. Like, there's no way that that's happening. And so, yeah, like, do do you guys have a feeling or, like, getting any sense of what the answer to those questions are? Well, I was very disturbed by the picture of him watching Leeds Me too. play on TV at home, right? I was like, this I is all nonsense. I wish someone hadn't explained what I was yeah. looking at. <laughs> then yeah. I would have been ignorant of it. But once someone explained, like, once they made me zoom in, I was like, oh, no. That's just, a terrible little Easter egg. Just drinking his mate, all happy, watching Leeds. Yeah, that, that was that was the point where I got fairly disturbed by that. Because to your point, I mean, for the most part, if a player wants something to happen, if a player of that profile wants something to happen badly enough, like it's gonna happen, and it's just a matter of the amount um, and the move, you know, and the time. The the thing that gives me some hope is like there's not a lot of. Um, Corollaries here, right? It's not a lot. There's not a lot of guys that come from Europe, move to MLS, and go back to Europe for any kind of big money. Can, I can't think of anybody who's done that. Can you, Landon? Not off the top of my head, and I would be surprised if there were many at all. Hmm. So, I mean, I hope that he's such an outlier that that doesn't happen. But if somebody's willing to throw that much money at him and he wants to go, like I don't see that there's anything that Austin FC can do to keep that from happening. I always wonder with. Like, I have no idea what it would be like to have someone want me that badly in any way. But, I mean, this is like big fish, little pond, little fish, big pond kind of scenario too, right? Like, he's very, very good here in this league. And I imagine he will be very good next year uh, if he stays here in this league. But I don't know if he goes over and plays in the EPL that, you know, he might not get that same kind of love that that he is experiencing here, the same kind of uh, feeling 
um, and embrace that he gets here. And I don't know how much that matters to these athletes. Like, I just don't have a good sense of that. Um, I also don't know what it's like for his family, uh, how much they like it here, if, if how much they're willing to like, just go with the flow and move wherever. I'm sure any of, there's probably a certain amount of money for most people that makes all that easier. Um, but yeah, I do. I mean, there is some, you are giving up the sort of prestige probably that he has here at this moment and probably will retain for at least a little while if he stays here. Yeah. And and these are like probably the most important questions that we're not going to get the answers to. Right. Like, and did he ever say like, did he, I mean, I'm sure not when he got here, but do we have a sense of what he wants in his career? he, He has gone on record saying that like, um, I mean, there's a lot of people in Argentina who wanted him to come back to River after sure. he left Russia. And a lot of people who have played in Argentina who now play in MLS will tell you the same thing that like the yeah, I mean, like their heart is in Argentina. But as far as um, like financial security, family security, uh, a, like quality of life that MLS provides a balance of those things that very few other places can do. And also, so yeah. there's an, an interview that Drusy was doing online. I can't remember. It was seemed like just like a, like a zoom interview kind of thing, but he was talking about how he can get home at 3 AM after a game and have his front door unlocked, just walk in his family in there and feel completely safe with all of that. And so yeah. the well, combination we have, of that, we don't have like hooliganism. And I mean, there's, I mean, there's probably a different kind of fandom that's probably very exciting in those countries, but also the part of fandom that's probably pretty terrible too. Yeah. And yeah. so the combination of of the that kind of financial and like family security with uh, the money, the money is probably better here than it would be in Argentina, I would imagine, at a player of his caliber, of his caliber. Um And then also you're talking about like being the big fish in the little pond and just like being adored by the fans here. That's something that you're not going to find many other places. That being said, he's in the prime of his career, Mm -hmm. like entering the prime of his career. If he has these ambitions that a lot of these top class athletes do, this is his chance to like. Yeah, if he's dreamed of the EPL, like, yeah. Well, how do you put that up against anything if this is, if that's sort of what your goal has been your whole life? I don't, yeah. How do you fight that? Um, can I ask the, uh, what happens to Rigoni? Like, I mean, he came here because of Sebastian. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's conflicting stories on that, right? Okay. (laughs) I think it probably helped him come here. Okay. But like, I've seen people suggest that like, oh, he's definitely going to leave if, Drusy leaves or like Drusy won't leave because Rigoni just came here. And I think, I mean, these guys are pros. Like it would, they'd probably be a little bit sad that they didn't get to play together That's longer, fair. but they're not going to change their decision they know based how on it. Works. Okay. And Rigoni has a contract here and he came here and knew what he signed up for. It's not going to change anything except for maybe they'll be a little bit sad. They didn't get to play together longer. And and then now that I've taken over your show, Will you um, tell me about the other Argentinian? So is Pochettino just like on the roster now? Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah, you want to take that one? <laughs> I'll take that one. Yeah. So he's not going back to Reaver. And uh, I still do not like believe he's that he's under will... contract with us. He's under Correct. contract in Austin. Absolutely. Okay. I still do not believe that he will play another game in an Austin uniform. I, th- I think they'll find another place to loan him out. I think they could take a buyout but i think it would be pretty expensive but i just don't see they can do one buyout one buyout a year right on on the total roster so i think they've loaned them out somewhere else and they get recoup some amount of money which is probably less they put into him but given the way that he did not seem to work at all with josh wolf like i just don't see how he comes back and okay fits into the system and like it doesn't seem like he's going to fundamentally change the way he plays, and it doesn't seem like Josh is all of a sudden going to be super flexible. So I don't think he'll ever play a, play another game in Austin. I don't know. What do, what do you think, Landon? No, I agree. I will be very surprised if he does. And, I mean, I could be wrong. We could be wrong. He could, I hope you're he not could wrong. come back and be a change man and, and wants to do what Josh asks him to. But 
I would be very shocked if we see him in Verde again. Yeah, he was real frustrating to watch last year. <laughs> and he was a nice really, way to say it. Yeah, and Josh called him out, right? I mean, specifically in multiple post-game preface conferences. It wasn't like just a under-the-surface frustrating. It was like, that guy is floating around and not doing what he's supposed to do, and he should be different, kind of frustrating mm. by Josh, which is pretty clear. Mm. Well, now I'm so, just going to be nervous about Jerusy. Uh, so Transfermarkt is a, a German website that does – they kind of specialize in valuating players and saying, we think this player is worth this much money. They just did an update of of a lot of players, and it included some MLS guys – Drew C was one of them. They changed his valuation from 10 million to 15 million. And this was in euros. So that would be a little higher. I don't know what the conversion is right now, but um, what, what do we think it would take Jeremiah to, for Austin to say yes? Like what's the number that we think makes it worth it? I mean, I think 15 million is a very tempting number because that's more than twice what they paid for him. And yeah. that's the kind of number that, you have to respect what the player wants out, right? Like you said earlier, if it was six, then you're like, yeah, that's not that's not fair market value. But I'm like at 15, like you have to start listening. My real fear is that he like they did such a good job of hitting on him and speaking to Pochettino and Rigoni TBD to this point, and some others. Like I would be really, really worried about anybody's ability to replace Drewusi with somebody who's like Drewusi. Even if we get fifteen million for him and we're buying for ten or twelve or whatever the profit we decide to make, like that's that's my big concern on this deal. Do we yeah, get so, that money? Is that how it works? Like we get it. Well, okay. So, oh, fi- sorry. I know. I know it's all <laughs> weird because the MLS owns <laughs> yeah. everything, you, but you don't get to use it all on the team. No. Um, okay. So, fifteen million dollars. Let's say I feel it's like you need one of those dollars. boards behind you yeah. with the like with the strings, Landon. Explain this to me. Okay, go. Fifteen million dollars would put uh, that would be the fifth highest outgoing transfer in MLS history. And Whoa. so to put it into context, there and like how hard of an like that would be hard to say no to. Yes. Um. And so if it were fifteen then MLS, I think, takes like a 5% cut of that. It used to be like 25%, and they changed that with the last CBA. Uh, So I think MLS takes a 5% cut. The rest of it goes back to Austin FC, but they are only allowed to use 1 million of it. They can uh, transfer 1 million of it into GAM, general allocation money. So I love, be able, like I love the look fate, on your face oh. right now. I was like, oh, no. So they would be able to use that on the rest of the team. Okay. Uh, but then, I mean, it, so like, let's say the the other however many million, the other fourteen million, go into Anthony Precourt's pocket. He can choose to use that on another DP or not, um, because like DP money is doesn't come out of the salary budget. Like you can just spend whatever you want on that. You could use it to reinvest in another designated player, uh, and then one million of it would go to. Um, salary budget money. You could use that to to uh, improve the team. And so I've seen a lot of people saying like, oh, with that money, if they give us 15, 20 million, we could buy two or three Drewsies. And it's like, oh, it's not that simple though, because just because you pay a lot of money for a player doesn't mean they're going to be as good as Drewsie was. Because he was, I think like the 20th, 21st most expensive player salary wise in the league last year. And was in the top two, um, yeah. As yeah. far as performance went, and so, but he fit you pay really a lot well. of money for guys. I mean, you clearly not, fit with the team too. Yeah, like, and so finding the right person is not easy, even if the money is really good. I mean, we could use it to improve the team, but it's not easy, and mm-hmm. so it, it would be a tough thing. So, I mean, at this point, how how are we feeling? Do we think this is like leaning more towards happening or not happening? Him leaving? Yeah. Not happening. He'll be here. Uh, That's from my heart. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm going with heart too. He's he'll be here. It'll be fine. We're gonna survive this. I, I think if there's one thing that we can take solace in, it is the fact that we have not heard anything else out of yeah. anybody. When um, when is the transfer market open for this? Like when I would, mean it's it's not open now. It'll be January. Yeah, we would we wouldn't know. Okay. Leads could I buy him. Okay. Uh, and so like 
I, I will have to hold our breath until the end of January, really. Oh, but. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, January. Yeah. But I would imagine, like I said, there's, there's usually a lot of smoke with these things. And so I would follow Tom Bogert uh, on Twitter, and he's probably going to be the first person to, to figure it out if it's happening. Hmm, interesting. All right, let's move on to uh, actually one more bit of, of precarious news. Uh, Diego Fagundes is currently in Spain. Oh, I can't even Spain look at his Instagram. Year. It's killing me. <laughs> Diego, so don't do it. <laughs> we mentioned on a recent show that he signed with David Villa's agency, got a new agent. His father is no longer his agent. And we said that it doesn't necessarily mean he's leaving, but it means that uh, he's trying to get paid, whether that's here or somewhere else. And so he goes to Spain on vacation, but also happens to meet up with David Villa in Madrid while he's there. And so uh, I think it maybe it is a vacation, but also that maybe they're doing a little business on the side there. Um, I'm, I'm still not super worried about this one. I think if Austin gives him a competitive offer, he, he seems happy here. He seems to want to be here. And so as long as Austin can be competitive with their offer, I think he'll stay. And with as much money as we just freed up in kind of dead weight on the roster, they have the space to pay him the money. So I'm still not super concerned about that one. Um, I'm gonna trust in happier you. news. I'm going to trust you, Landon. <laughs> in happier news, John Gallagher gets signed to a, is it a four-year extension, Jeremiah? It is a four-year extension. Yeah. That's so, um, yeah, y- y'all are feeling good about this one? He was great this year. I mean, he played way above the level from last year. And I think, I mean, I'm not good at this like you guys are, but it was clear that he covered a lot of ground um, on a team that is, especially the back line is not that fast. Like there were definitely moments where we were very fortunate to have him. Yeah. I'm just guessing, guessing with the length of this deal, like he, on Austin's side, they probably offered him a longer deal at lesser money per year to protect their side of the investment. So, like, I'm assuming he's probably not. He he got security in lieu of like a giant raise, and so I feel like, I feel like that's good money for Austin too. Yeah, I mean, he was on 155 thousand this year. Um, a guy like John Gallagher, I can understand him wanting the security because he's he's been a lot of places and he's had to travel and he didn't the like globe. It. I mean, no, when he, he talks like about, it. was it Scotland? He was in Scotland. When he talks about his time there, you're like, woof, that was, that was rough. Clearly just the like day-to-day living was hard for him there. So yeah. I'm sure that this is like a whole much better experience in that way. Yeah. Just a guy who's had to travel the world to get minutes, uh, not making that much money really. And so, I mean, we, we look at you know, he's on the TIFOs. Yeah, you know, we, we look like, at that money compared to like Drew Ucy or whatever and say, oh, he's not making anything. But that money in like real life money, that's it's pretty good. And so I imagine he did get a, a nice little salary increase. He's getting that guaranteed for the next four years with an option year on top of that. Um, it's it's a It seems like a good deal for both sides. And just looking at the kind of player he is and what his output was this year, Guys like John Gallagher are like the kind of like the bedrock of solid MLS teams. You get these. I know he's not entirely domestic, but for all intents and purposes, he's very comfortable here. Lived in the U.S. for a long time. Has uh, does not take an international ball, right. Yeah, Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right, um, Notre Dame. Yeah, and does not take up international roster spot. Is not super expensive. Uh, is a hard worker. Like these are the guys almost anywhere. Right. <laughs> Like These are the fun. guys good MLS teams have in spades on their roster. And so I love this move. I like really, really like it. The fact that we're locking a guy like this in for the next four years, he's he'll be 27 at the start of the next season. I think he turns 27 in February. And so that will put him under contract until he's 31 uh, with an option for the year of 32. When we interviewed him, he told us he was on the Tom Brady diet. And so we know the man's taking care of his body. He's going to last until 32. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's great. It, like Graham Zusier, I think was his role model. I think when he talked about it, who's like played, who started as yeah. a winger and then like played a defender until he was like 
34, 35 or something. So like he talked about longevity as, as one of the, the factors in him being like happy with playing in defense. So, uh, I, yeah, I love this one. Um, anything else that we're missing here? I have one more question. I have one more question for you, Jessica. Now that we're like in the off season, what, what are you supposed to do with our time? Like, what, like, should we develop hobbies? Should, should I find outside interests? Well, I mean, we are fortunate this year because we have the world cup. That's fair. So, so can we, like, we can we still identify a, soccer. We're going to have a lot of soccer in our lives. Um, I've got lots of feelings about the World Cup, but I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to watch it. Um, so, I got a New York Times puzzle subscription to fill my time. Yeah, that's smart. Um, <laughs> I would like to read more books. You would think with my job that I would read lots of books, but I actually don't. So maybe I should take my 90 minutes that I get every week now. I mean, that is one thing about soccer that is glorious is that it is not a ton of time. It's not like being a football, like American football fan. So you don't have to fill that much. I don't know. What am I doing? I'm into puzzles. People should get into puzzles. I'm like an old lady. I'm just going to read books and do puzzles. So yeah, any Austin FC fans looking to fill your time, puzzles is where it's at. But also like, I mean, sure, there are professional team, but like the basketball season's back, college basketball in town. Go down to the Moody Center. I know the women lost tonight, though, to UConn at UConn. That's a bummer. Um, but there's like a, you know, there's still a lot of good sport in town in this moment. So you can still go cheer. I went to my first UT volleyball game a couple of weeks ago, and that was amazing. Talk about, okay, that was like maybe the closest. That fan culture is real intense. Like, um, oh, really? Yes. I was so impressed with the fan knowledge, not just of what was happening on court, but just the traditions of cheering for that volleyball team. So everyone knows what to do all the time. So you know how in volleyball, you can hit the ball three times and you got to get it over the net and they, um, Oh God, this is terrible. What are they? They say three words. Oh, and I know I can't remember what they are. Spike. No, no, no. It's like (laughs) Texas fight or whatever. And the whole crowd will do it each time. And they're so good. The crowd is so good at it. And they're so jazzed to be there. And one of my friends is um, Danny Davis, who's at the Statesman, who covers the women's volleyball. And I went over to him during the game and I was like, is this normal? Like, is this what happens at every match? And he said, yes, that they are just, it just feels like that all the time. So that is something you could do is there is still that kind of smart fervor fandom in town that you could go be a part of. All right. I'm in. That sounds good. And I, I would think it's very kid friendly too, but probably in a way that being the supporter section sometimes isn't in an Austin FC game. I feel like I could take sure. the boys and feel good about, about a UT volleyball game. Let me tell you one thing though. That was so funny. Um, so I went my, with my friend Amira. She's very good at making me like leave the house. And, uh, they one of the so Danny told me this was a tradition. So this it's going been going on a very long time. Is that the men's swimming and diving team goes and they stand on the sideline in their speedos and cheer for the <laughs> volleyball team. I was like, what is happening? Like at one point, they literally had a dude. They were you know like almost crowd surfing him, like holding them up with it, and he was pretending to swim in his cap <laughs> and speedos. And Danny was like, they've been doing this as long as I have been covering this team. And then a neighbor of mine recently told me that it's been like decades that this is what the men's swimming and diving do. So we already have Speedos in the Austin FC supporter section. So we need to incorporate some of these traditions. There you go. You need to do the fake swimming, apparently. (laughs) All right. Well, Jessica, thanks for coming on the show. You, um, you were a great resource to us and a great guide for us earlier in the season in one of the less pleasurable parts of covering this team. And so um, we're happy to have you on to talk about some more fun things this time. <laughs> well, I've told you guys repeatedly, this is one of my most favorite podcasts. So I am really thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me on again. Um, do you want, where, where can people find your work? Do you want people to find your work? I think you sure. told them not to last time. <laughs> no, it's fine. Well, I mean, <laughs> if Twitter is still around by the time you all hear this, uh, Jessica W. Luther is my handle. I'm on the other, I do Instagram. 
at the same handle, Jessica W. Luther, and that's also my website. So you can find me. I am findable. <laughs> All right. Well, this is fun, Jessica. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Thank Jessica. Thank you, guys. Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. This show is made possible by Sage Wilson Property Group. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FEF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FEF.law. All right, we are back. We want to thank Jessica one more time for hanging out with us. She's a joy as always. Uh, Jeremiah, let's get into the off-season schedule. So on the 7th, is that right? The 7th, there was the two-day The two-day trade window, yep. Trade window, which exists essentially so that teams can offload folks before the expansion draft if they want to. Um, and that happened. There was a few moves. And there were several. I think the ones that were most relevant to Austin, because they're the ones that are within the state, is uh, Fafa Pico went to Nashville, and Tim Parker went to St. Louis City. So I guess they traded him to St. Louis rather than leaving him exposed to be being selected by St. Louis. But I mean, this, this is them. a weird study of MLS because Tim Parker actually was left exposed. <laughs> oh, really? Like he was going to be exposed in the expansion draft. And because he, he's, he's, his salary is really high. And so they had this weird thing. I don't know. Like I, I don't fully understand how it's beneficial, but like because expansion teams have so much allocation money, they then paid allocation money, but Houston is keeping part of his salary on the books. And so like they did it in a way that, that benefited both teams in a way that I still don't fully understand. But this is the MLS wizardry that happens sometimes. So it's almost like uh, Joe Corona going to Austin last year, maybe a little bit, like in terms of weirdness. <laughs> I'd say it was. This one seems to be a good deal for both teams, where the Joe Corona thing was a bad deal for <laughs> was both a, teams. <laughs> was a good deal for nobody. I agree. Yeah, and then on the eleventh, St. Louis had their uh, expansion draft uh, pick. They got to take five players. Uh, the teams that were exempt were Austin FC, Atlanta. United DC, United LAFC, and NYCFC. I thought they made some pretty interesting selections, didn't you? I yeah, that was I good. Overall, it seems like a, a pretty good expansion draft. It it has proven historically that I don't really know why, but I think for I think there's probably some things like conversations being had behind the scenes or like salary restrictions. Why certain people who look maybe like obvious moves in the expansion draft almost never get picked. And so I I think it's probably a much harder thing to do right than a lot of people give anybody credit for. That being said, Austin FC's expansion draft has proven historically to be bad. Like whatever we thought of it in the moment, we got very little out of it. It looks like maybe that like St. Louis is going to get some value out of this one. Especially I think the first two picks are really strong picks, right? Nicholas uh, Giochini and uh, Indiana Vasilev. Uh, we're both like players that have a lot of talent and potential. And then I love their last guy, uh, Jake LaCava. Maybe he has the, uh, he's like the Kamal Miller of their pick. So he's like the fifth <laughs> pick. Never, I don't think, like, we well, spent about five minutes on the on the club officially and then got flipped to enter Miami. Um, Miami he, hopes he's Kamal Miller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So he picked up some gam. Uh, they, they, picked, they picked him up for some gam, which is, to get, again, just MLS still. But it seems like they've, done a pretty good job of building this roster from the start. Of course, I think a lot of people said the same thing about Austin the first year, and that turned out not to be the case, but St. Louis seems to be doing things right. Yeah, except their their general manager is saying that they are not going to sign a third DP, and they do not need a third DP, which is interesting, but we'll see how that works out for them. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think the next thing coming up, this show we're recording this show on the 14th, which is the deadline for play, picking up player option. But anybody who had an option year in their contract had to be picked up by today. Otherwise, they'll all go into either re-entry or, or free agency. And so today was the last day. A lot of names on here. Who are the names that stood out to you on this one? 
Uh, there's a few names. One, you know, Matt Hedge is out in Dallas. The guy's been kind of a legend. He's a super strong player. The downside on him is he's 32 and he made nine hundred thousand dollars last year. So I think that he's probably you know out. There's I guess I'll go to the ones that I thought were up. Maybe could fill spots that Austin needs. One is Brad Smith, um, who's but was injured last year. You know, um, but available left back. Was an, you know we need we need uh, assistance at fullback no matter where I don't know this is actually a question we haven't talked about much on the show but like I think we could use either a left back or a right back because John Gallagher can play either side so I agree keep- yeah I I think if you if you I, yeah in either place if if you get a starter or depth I th- I'd say like go for the best available and then let John Gallagher and then knowing like, John Gallagher has the flexibility to go either way right yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's the way I'm thinking about it. I don't know if Claudio Reyna is thinking about it the same way, but that's the way I would think about it. And I would be comfortable with Gallagher on either side. Yeah, so that's Brad Smith was DC United, uh, big deal in Seattle, but had a 2022 ACL injury, so he had his contract option decline. The other person who's sort of in the same um, position is Jorge uh, Viafana from so the Galaxy, right? Um, who missed all? Uh, yeah, 20- he was at Port- Portland for a while, and then at the Galaxy after that. He missed all of 22, 22 of the injury, but again, like a guy that's a, that's a, a talent and has proven himself in the league that I could see being an option. But you got to take a chance um, on either of those players. So those th- I thought those both were interesting, and then the other one was uh, Ola Kamara at forward, um, just because I think everybody agrees that maybe that's the position of the least depth that Austin has, um, and he's yeah, wh- wh- been good over the last three years. So like he seems like he could be an option. Kamara, so Kamara's 33 now, and he was on $1.5 million this year, which we can't pay him that much. Like, <laughs> That's fair. If it's on that money, then no thanks. But if we could get it down to like the money that uh, the like Maxi's on, like six, dollars $700,000, to be super sub late game goal scorer, because I, I think he started 15 games this year and had nine goals. And so that's not a bad record for not starting every game. Um, and so, yeah, in 33, is, it's maybe getting too old to start every game, but he's already not doing that and and proving effective in that role. So, um, yeah, if the money's right, I could see that one. I quite like the the Brad Smith one. I think the 590K that he was on this year is maybe a little too high, but if we could get a bit of that trimmed off since he's – kind of pushing the end of his prime and has had some injuries lately. Maybe we could get a discount on him. Um, but that profile I think is interesting. Um, what, what, what about Matt Hedges? I, I kind of don't think he's going to leave. I kind of think he'll just negotiate as high of a contract as he can get to kind of finish his career in Dallas and but stay in Dallas. I mean, he seems like, would a you want to see guy. Austin go after him? Well, I thought I would, you know, just based upon the name, but then this contract, um, the fact that he made 900k last year, and then like some of the underlying uh, numbers that I saw posted, I think on Twitter today or whatever, makes me think maybe he's not like that much better than Julio Cascante, where it makes sense to make that kind of deal. I think, yeah, maybe Matt Hedges two or three years ago, um, not just age wise, but performance wise, he wasn't as good this year as he has been in years past. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I would want that one necessarily. Um, one that stuck out to me is Derek Etienne Jr. for the crew. So he's 25 years old. He had 33 appearances with the crew this year, had nine goals, six assists, and is only on 175,000. I think because of his age and because of kind of the way he's raised his own profile over the last couple of years, he'll demand more money than that. Um, I also am not sure that he would willingly come to a team where it'd be pretty clear that he's not the starter. I imagine he's going to be looking for a place where he can be um, at least promised the the possibility to fight for a starting spot. And maybe, maybe he could with Austin, but um, I think that's one definitely looking into, but maybe not very likely to actually happen. <laughs> one person that did not have their option renewed that I thought was interesting for, from an Austin perspective anyway, is Philip Mayaka from the Colorado Rapids. The the non questionable number one overall choice in the super draft in twenty twenty one, right? Philip Mayaka, yeah, that one. And he spent most of his time 
with uh, the Switchbacks, their USL affiliate, affiliate. He has made zero MLS appearances for the Colorado Rapids. I think he was on the bench some, but had zero appearances. Um, so, I mean, I think there's some, like, as far as the expansion picks, their expansion roster build, I think there's some obvious errors made by Claudio Reyna and company. But it seems like picking Danny Pereira over Philip Mayaka in that draft has <laughs> that, that proven a good yeah. choice. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I guess the biggest name here, which I don't think is of any interest, interest to Austin, I saw Giassi Zardes also out of contract. But yeah, I know good, good whenever, luck to him. whenever they, it was rumored that the crew was shopping him, I kind of wanted Austin to go after him. Uh, but I think he ended up injured and not really playing a lot the back half of the season. I think if if Colorado picks him up, they owe the crew a bunch of money too, and so they're almost certainly not going to pick him up. But I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen with him. But I don't think I want him in Austin at this point. So I think the next prominent date is going to be November 16th, which is the day after this show comes out, and that is when free agency officially opens, and so. We won't necessarily see moves happening immediately, but that's when they can start happening. Yeah, so we did this uh, Verde Letters with Phil West on the striker, uh, which we would encourage everybody to read if you haven't already. And one of the questions was, what players should Austin be targeting via trade or in free agency? And you had a couple suggestions for players, both New York City FC players. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah, so one of them I've found out since writing that and sending it over to Phil that is probably not an option. Anton Tinnerholm has all but said he's going to leave the league, likely going back to, I think he's Swedish, um, probably going back to Sweden. And so he was one of the options. He's a 32-year-old right back. is coming back from an injury, but was really, really good. One of the best fullbacks in the league for a few years there. Uh, the other one is also NYCFC defender, but Alexander Collins, it, he's been, I'd say, like up there on the same level as the Philadelphia center backs. Um, really, really good for the last few years. He is a free agent right now. There's still a chance he stays at NYCFC. He'll, he'll be. I, I think like some of the MLS pundits are are guessing he may not be able to get a DP contract, but we'll get like max Tam, like as much as you can give a person without it being a DP contract. Um, so there's going to be other teams fighting for this guy, but I think Austin should go after him. Like if, if you're looking at this Austin team, as far as like places where you can upgrade within the league and it's, they're definitely going to be better than what we already have there's not a lot of options where like you could you can find the guy who's definitely better and afford them and i think this is one of those sweet spots where it might be tough there might be other teams willing to give him more or who just have more available to give him but i think claudio arena should be looking at this and doing the math and telling collins like if we have the money to give him a max tam contract we should offer it to him and i it's Claudio Reyna bought, brought both of these guys into NYCFC, so he'll he'll know them. They'll have known what it's like to play under him. Not necessarily the same coach, but like not so different of a style of play. Um, know what kind of culture that Reyna likes to set within his teams, and so we'll hope that that would be uh, a positive in in any negotiations that may or may not happen. But I think this would like put Austin another level up if we could um if we could get a guy like that on the team yeah that's that's exciting i guess that's interesting and exciting and the one thing that we get these questions a lot and the one thing that i want to make sure and point out is that if we'd had this discussion at the end of last year which we probably had this discussion at the end of last year like would maxi aruti or ethan finley have been anybody we would have talked about like <laughs> probably not so no matter who we talk about we're probably going to be totally surprised by the guys austin gets and hopefully we'll just trust that claudio does the right thing and understands the roster because it's just hard you get the whole world out there and we we mention this all the time but they're working on so many deals at once and they almost all fall through and so there's probably guys with these profiles and guys with other profiles that work or guys similar to these players that are working on right now. And we'll just see who, who makes it across the line. 
in terms of building the roster for next year. Yeah, so not to go back to a sore subject, but talking about Drew UC potentially leaving, I think one of the blessings there, we, we talked about how difficult it would be to um, to replace Drew UC because we would have the money to, yes, buy an expensive player, but there's zero guarantee that they would be anywhere near as good as he's been. I think the blessing in that case would be Austin would then certainly have the money to go after someone like Collins, right? Like you have, you add a million dollars in GAM to your, to your pocket that then, okay. Like maybe we didn't, maybe we were pushing it with the other additions we needed to make. Cause we do have quite a few spots to fill in the roster, but that extra money gives you the ability to go after guys like this. Some of these free agents or maybe even transfers within the league where you can go out and get a proven guy um, to come in and, and fill a hole instead of speculating, bringing a guy in from abroad. We know doesn't always work out. If you can find a guy in the league who you know is really good and use that extra money to bring them in, this is the stuff that LAFC has done really well. And um, if, if Austin can kind of follow that that model, then that would be really good signs for just keeping this team competitive and making them more competitive going forward. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to That's the comparison that I was going to make. It's like LAFC does a really good job of finding a way to get known improving commodities in on money that makes sense and they don't get super i think they don't get super speculative or super cute you know they just they like have a good scouting department that does their homework they know how to work within the league they know how to work you know outside the league and i think it's a good model for austin to follow if we have the kind of cash to splash around based upon based upon sales still would prefer that to not happen and and not have to make that not have to make that choice but if but it's not like the end of the world if they do yeah, and, and because LAFC has consistently sold players, they have that extra allocation money to spend on guys like like Ryan Hollingshead or Kellen Acosta, like guys like that. They have that money to bring those people in. All right, what else do we have, Jeremiah? I don't know. I mean, like the World Cup's going to start. I feel like we would be like remiss and not talk about the World Cup at all. I guess overall, like is this for you? Is this your like initial connection to? to soccer fuck with so many people like oh they started watching the world cup and then they pick up league play and then it kind of goes from there like is that your soccer story or is it something different the world cup solidified my fandom so i my story started with uh as as many american college students with a study abroad trip to spain and so fc barcelona in the spring of 2010 when i did my semester abroad in college was my first my first like love that's what what got me very interested in soccer and then came home that summer and the 2010 world cup was happening and was home like on vacation with my family, I think for a week. And that's all I did was just sat there and watched that world cup and watch soccer that whole week that we were there. And so, yeah, the world cup is definitely what solidified my fandom and kind of sent me down that path. Yeah. And I think for, for me too, it was, for me, it was like the 94 world cup and I, like I was a kid, but I remember, um, just the excitement around it because it was the first World Cup in the United States, and every game was exciting. And um, and I grew up outside of Dallas, so like there were there were there were matches there, and that was that was my excitement about it. And then like and then for a while, I kind of grew to hate like le- like um you know like I became a huge Premier League fan, so like I started hating like international competition because I felt like all that happened was like Liverpool players went to international competition and they got hurt and couldn't play <laughs> in the Premier League season. So like I've come all the way around on it. Um, I thought one of the most interesting stats I saw out of it was this uh, Tudor Ramen tweet, which is that uh, MLS ended up with 36 players in the World Cup, which was the most of any league outside the Big Five, which I think is just a testament to the international development of the league because it's not just U.S. players playing for the um, U.S. team or Canadian players for the Canadian team, but it's people from all around the world playing for clubs all around the world, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I think the most interesting number was Ecuador has four players. There are four Ecuadorian national team players playing in MLS, which is a huge number for like a team that's not even on this continent. Uh, but it shows, like I guess, MLS scouting and the opportunity that's developing in South America uh, for players in MLS. So that was that's pretty cool. I don't know. Like, do you want to do predictions? Do you think U.S. and Mexico both make it out of the uh, out of group play? And if so, how far do they go? Oh, uh, I don't know. I I'm I really hope the U.S. can make it out of the group. After that, like anything else is is gravy. Yeah, I think I think so. Well, I would just say 
if you really want to get into this, if you listen to uh, what Kuva the Guitar, the Athletic. Yes, I yeah, finished that's it good. over the weekend. That that's my advice. Don't listen to us. Go listen to Sam and Paul. <laughs> do Kuva the Guitar, and you will understand everything about like the 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 U.S. National Team project and how the club got here and uh, the challenges that lay ahead. But I I feel like this is a get out of the group stage and lose in the first round of knockout play kind of performance for Ur, the U.S. team and. I feel like given the uh I don't know the Mexican roster as well, but given the heartburn from like people that I know who are Mexican fans, I feel like maybe Mexico's sort of in the same boat too. So you asked if the World Cup was like my first connection, but I like for a long time I did not have a team that like this is my team that I root for. And the only team that I was like actually passionate about was the US national team. And so I, in that case, like in that sense, I am uh, I do have like a strong emotional connection to it. And like this, this group of players, like, I don't know, they're just fun. And like, you, you want them to succeed. Like all these young guys, there seems to be like a really good culture and really good vibe in the, in the locker room. Uh, and I think f- for as many things as people like to criticize Greg Berhalter for, and I think a lot of them are valid. I think one thing that he deserves a lot of credit for is for h- helping build that culture and like, um, seems to really care about the players like with with the dual national guys, like the guys who have the option to play for the U.S. and Mexico or the U.S. and another country, he'll bring them in and say like, yeah, I want you to see it. Come hang out with the guys. Then go to the other one too. Go to Mexico camp and see if you like that one better and then just make the decision that's best for you. And like, I, I really like that. And so I think if nothing on nothing else, like on the sporting side, just like on a human side, I, I really want to see these kids succeed. And do you feel, I mean, this... There's so much of the the talk is like that this year's not really the year, right? And 2026 is what these guys are all playing toward because they're by far the youngest club in the field. Um, do you do you kind of buy, do you buy into that? Do you think that's the case? And then like how excited how excited would you be to have like a top ten in the world U.S. team in 2026 playing most of the World Cup on American soil? Yeah, I mean, I think like expectations wise, that's probably the case. Like like we said, we both said like we would be pretty happy if they make it out of the group stage and then lose. Like we would call that a success this year, right? I don't think the players are looking at it that way. I think they're going to say like, we want to do as, as well as we can. And these guys are playing most of them at pretty high levels. And so they're competitive guys. They want to do well. Um, but I think as far as a fan perspective and like in hindsight after this one, yeah, I, I think everyone will look at this very differently than the one in 2026 when it's on American soil for the most part. And these guys who are the core of this team are all going to be entering their prime years going into that one. Yeah, and even some guys like Ricardo Pepe didn't make it. Like right. I, I'd forgot about Giancarlo Busio, but uh, you would think that in four years he's going to be part of the mix. Um, you know, and then even like just the whole core is super young. Obviously, some center backs need to develop, but you can see how this is a team that should be set up to succeed in the future. So I'm just gonna. I'm going to enjoy it. I think we got the first, what, Wales is one week from today, right? On the 21st. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then England's the week of Thanksgiving. And then I mean, we'll know we'll know pretty soon how things are going to go. But it's not a super easy group. Um, I think it said it's the only group with everybody in the top 20, maybe, in the world. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So it's all it's like England's whatever England is, you know, like four or five. And then then I think the other teams are like 17, 19, and 20 or whatever. But they're still They're still all officially in the top 20 in the world. So there's not going to be any easy easy matches, but yeah, it's a, it's an exciting thing for the whole world to get together and be able to check out once every every four years. All right, I think we've about covered it, Jeremiah. Is there anything else you wanted to hit before we wrap up? I think I think we hit on all the important matters of the week, and it was great to talk to Jessica again to have her back on and talk about happy, fun soccer stuff and not like awful <laughs> social issues. We we should probably do that more often. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, before we finish up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And then we want to, if you want to continue this conversation, come find us on Twitter at LVAHero87 and jbentley underscore ATX and then at Moontower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. And then sign up for the Patreon where we talked about like merch and stuff last week a little bit. This week, we actually asked for suggestions about what kind of merch Patreon folks want to get. Um, what in people who aren't members of the Patreon, let us know what merch would get you to become a member of the Patreon if that's the only way you could get it. Because we we want it to be stuff that people want and to make it worth your worth your while. So 
uh, get at us about that. We'd like to encourage you to visit the Striker, where you can read the Verde letters that we recently helped Phil West do, and then lots of other great soccer coverage. And you can get a 30% discount with the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M. Yeah, one good else, thing, I was going to say, one good thing about that is that uh, so the Striker was originally just the three Texas clubs, but the, the coverage has expanded. So I read an article about uh, Atlanta United today, read a good article about LAFC's moves. I confused Carlos Bocanegra and Steve Gerondolo, so I was very confused by who I was reading about when, <laughs> when I was when I was doing those pieces. But there's a, there's broad coverage of the league now in a, in a way that you don't get in a lot of other places. So I encourage everybody to check that out. All right. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening. Uh, like we said last week, we're not going anywhere during the off season. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer, where we will. Uh, likely at some point take some listener questions, maybe do some Thanksgiving content, probably have some more special guests uh, to be confirmed. But uh, come back. We'll be we'll be hanging out, having some fun. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never... La gente... Oh, my God.